If we're not careful in all our attitudes and actions, we can become compromised by the push to get ahead in worldly matters. And the repercussion is to end up finding ourselves involved in dangerous spiritual consequences. That's the lesson in a Bible study portion called Balak, where we read in the book of Numbers how an unprincipled prophet named Balaam was hired by Balak, the revengeful king of Moab, to curse the Israelites. But instead, God took hold of Balaam's tongue and made the prophet actually bless the Jews. It's important for the world to know, and especially for the church to acknowledge, that despite the repeated failures of Israel in the Bible, the Lord has vowed that he will never reject his people. And as the prophet Balaam himself confessed, there is no sorcery against Jacob. There's no divination against Israel. Therefore, all the mullahs in Iran and all the world's jihadists and terrorists will never be able to destroy Israel. God will see to it. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. As we move closer to the very last days of the end times, anti-Semitism is not going to go away but it will increase because the satanic powers are desperate to wipe out the nation of Israel. The consequence of this is Satan's desperate attempt to hinder the second coming of Jesus. Adding to the pressure cooker we now see in the Middle East is the election of a new president in Iran, whom Israel's new prime minister described as the hangman of Tehran. Even within the churches in the West, ministers who should know better have gone anti-Semitic. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. Psalm 2 says God will have all of history's anti-Semites in derision. And unlike the scheming prophet Balaam in the Bible, who was willing to curse Israel for cash, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Balaam himself prophesied those words in Numbers 23, 19 in the Torah. The God of Israel doesn't change, and he's promised to be faithful to Israel and to restore the kingdom to Israel in the last days. And as Bible prophecy continues to unfold, the average person will increasingly be shell-shocked, battle-weary, and contentious, but Bible believers can rest in God's love. It's important to be reminded that the New Testament tells us our biggest battles are against supernatural powers and demon principalities that manifest themselves in genocide, anti-Semitism, terrorism, tyranny, and oppression. But the weapons necessary to combat these spiritual forces are not physical. Our main weapons are mighty prayer the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And as it's written in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. In their vindication from me 
declares the Lord. Well, there are many greedy prophets who behave according to the way of Balaam. And one of our biggest battles is deception in these days. In fact, the Torah portion called Balak concerning Balaam and the king of Moab, Balak in the book of Numbers, is one of the most sobering episodes in this word. The spiritual visionary named Balaam had so much potential, like a lot of people in church pulpits today. He was, in fact, genuinely in touch with God. But he had a pagan background, and so he didn't have the foundation of a godly heritage to build upon. In rabbinic literature, Balaam is represented as one of seven Gentile prophets, the other six being Beor, Balaam's father, Job, and Job's four friends. So although Balaam lived apart from the chosen people of God, the Israelites, nevertheless, the Bible tells us that the Lord met with Balaam and even put God's words in his mouth. But Balaam was weak on character, like too many today. He tragically made shipwreck of his faith. His story is recorded as a warning for us upon whom the end of the age have come. Just because somebody is anointed doesn't mean we have to follow them. As we see the day of the Lord's return approaching, we must be super discerning and on our guard. Balaam possessed great spiritual knowledge and insight. He even received revelations from God concerning King Messiah. For example, he prophesied about the Messiah to come. Yet, because of his lack of integrity, Balaam's name and his doctrine are negative bywords in the New Testament. Balaam teaches us that a man or a woman associated with God simply cannot be a lover of money. Exchanging spiritual benefits for pay is known in the New Testament as the way of Balaam. So although Balaam refused to utter curses against Israel, his devious crime is that he instructed Moab's King Balak how to get the Israelites to curse themselves by committing sin and by enticing them with sexual immorality and foods sacrificed to idols. Due to these traps suggested by Balaam, the Israelites fell into sin and God had no other choice but to punish them. So Balaam was a scoundrel at heart whose utter disregard for the God of Israel and his people manipulated the circumstances for a filthy financial gain. How careful we must be concerning money and possessions. For example, two disciples in the early church, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, literally dropped dead because of dishonesty over finances. So Balaam's story is instructive on a number of levels, number one being the power of vocal blessings. He had the prophetic power to bless and curse at God's command. The king of Moab, Balak, like so many pagans, relied upon sorcery. Balak was fearful of the Israelites who were trekking their way to the promised land. So nervously, King Balak summoned Balaam to use his prophetic powers to try to eliminate Israel. We all know words are powerful. However, a great lesson for the nations is that the Bible says you cannot curse what God has blessed. Kingdoms and nations have disappeared off the face of the earth, but the people of Israel still live. Am Yisrael Chai. 
even today, no matter how many curses are hurled against Israel from Hezbollah or the new president of Iran or from Hamas or even threats from the United Nations, Israel cannot be destroyed. And Numbers 23, 23 explains why. A prophecy of Balaam where he said there is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. So no magic charms or incantations can harm them. Biblically speaking, King Balak had no hope of ruining Israel. So we may wonder why Balaam was instructed by the angel of the Lord to go with King Balak's escort of men, but also he was instructed only to speak what God told him to say. Obviously, the whole episode was a test of Balaam's character, but he failed the test because he sought to figure out a way to receive a reward without using his prophetic gift of speech. So instead, Balaam came up with a devious plan to entice Israel to sin. A willful, hell-bent person will be given over to the lusts of their own hearts because God does honor free will, even to a person's destruction. We learn this in Psalm 106, verse 15, where we are told that God may even grant a wrong request, but then the consequence is he will send leanness into willful souls, weakness, he'll send scarcity. The famous Jewish commentator Rashi observed that Balaam knew the deal was evil, yet he craved the opportunity to line his own pockets. In fact, and this is amazing, Balaam was so willful and hell-bent that his donkey had to rebuke him. This strange Bible story of Balaam's talking donkey is scorned by the skeptics. But why should we consider this miracle impossible? After all, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. And God also sent the angel of the Lord to resist Balaam with a drawn sword in hand. You see, the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. At first, the angel was visible only to the donkey. So the donkey refused to move. After Balaam punishes and beats the beast, in Numbers 22:28, the animal complains with a man's voice about Balaam's treatment. And the angel informs Balaam that the donkey's quick action of stopping is the only reason he didn't kill Balaam. Now, this strange Bible story should keep us all humble because God demonstrated that he can put his words in any creature he appoints, even a donkey. No doubt in the past, spiritually blind Balaam had prided himself in his prophetic gifts. No doubt he was eloquent and had experienced multiple visions. Yet this time, his donkey was more discerning because Balaam was blinded by his own desire for gain. There are, by the way, many artist paintings of the angel Balaam and the donkey. How sad that some leaders' hearts are so stubborn that they will even beat the donkey, the person who speaks God's warnings, and they use their position to muzzle others. May the Lord grant such leaders grace to repent before they end up like Balaam with no portion in the world to come. Well, three times from three different vantage points, Balaam was willing in his heart to decree curses on Israel, but to his chagrin, blessings were instead decreed by God three times, and King Balak had to listen to Balaam's benediction upon Israel three times. In Numbers 24, 9, 
Balaam opened his mouth and out came these words. Blessed is everyone who blesses you, Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you. When he saw that he could not curse the children of Israel, the rabbis assert that Balaam advised Balak as a last resort to tempt the Hebrew nation to immoral acts and through these to offer worship to the demon god Baal Peor. Balaam said that the god of the Hebrews hates lewdness, so he promised that severe chastisement would result. Well, this story is certainly a warning to all anti-Semites. Every genuine believer must take this lesson on board and not be found, especially in these prophetic days, despising and cursing Israel because Israel will find grace in the future. As the time of the church age is winding up, God is determined to redeem Israel in the near future. Meanwhile, many casual believers attend worship services and conferences and don't give a thought to the subject. They enjoy being around people who have an anointing, but often many don't really study their Bibles to understand the times and to show themselves approved of God. They may not even have a regular Bible reading plan. They may never fast. They may rob God of tithes and offerings. And a shocking number today live in sin with partners without the benefit of marriage. And they think nothing of it. By these standards, the Bible says they're hell-bound if they don't repent. Yet, they're not rebuked or excommunicated. Instead, their leaders may only be giving them experiences of tickling their ears and merchandising the people of God, which is the way of Balaam. I appreciate the Apostle Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians 2.17. He said, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God. And Paul also stated in 2 Corinthians 4.2, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. In truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But in sharp contrast, Balaam demonstrated that the conduct of false prophets is cunning, treacherous, daringly insolent, manipulative, covetous, and deluding, promising great liberty and sin. And so many, too many sins have been committed in the name of liberty. Here's a warning. Although Balaam's heart was not right, he prophesied correctly. What does this teach us? It teaches us that we can't always listen to a prophet's words, but we must also weigh his spirit and examine the fruit of his life. I'm just amazed by the naive way that some believers follow confidence men claiming to be prophets of God. Other preachers have genuine gifts, as Balaam had, but abuse them. Each time Balaam was asked to curse Israel, his resolve weakened. And this Bible episode teaches us to acquire wisdom and extraordinary discernment because Balaam was a genuine prophet in the sense that he predicted the coming of King Messiah. For example, Balaam amazingly prophesied in Numbers 24, 17, I see the nation of Israel, a king like a bright star will arise in that nation. Like a comet, he will come from Israel. You see, Balaam was from the east, as were the Magi, the wise men, who traveled to worship Messiah at his birth. 
and apparently the Magi were aware of Balaam's prophecy. Yet, tragically, Balaam, who prophesied glorious things, became perverse. He became God's enemy, whom the Israelites, according to Numbers 31.8, slew with the sword. Even more shocking is the fact that the rabbis consider Balaam to be one of the Bible's greatest prophets, even though they admit that Balaam was doomed and has no portion in the world to come. Tragically, when it comes to conniving prophets, there's just nothing new under the sun, and unfortunately, terrible contradictions in character are found in the ministry today. Balaam mixed truth and avarice, a mixture that I fear is too common with many preachers today. In fact, I believe mixture is a key word to understand how prophetic voices can go off track. Carnal attitudes can be subtly mixed in with the spirit. And as believers, mixed motives are something we all have to avoid or correct. On the one hand, Balaam was in touch with God, but in Numbers chapter 22, the angel of the Lord said, I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me and your way is perverse. I learned that the Hebrew word for perverse here means to be headstrong, rash. So there's a lesson here for all of us. Balaam allowed himself to be manipulated by people in greed and by a spirit of compromise. It's sad to say that men mightily used of God in our generation have fallen away. Let's look at three New Testament warnings against Balaam's attitude. In 2 Peter 2.14, the Apostle Peter referred to the way of Balaam, meaning the prostitution of ministry for money. Personal gain was Balaam's ultimate aim, not the glory of God. Money became his God. People who follow in the way of Balaam have left the narrow way, Peter wrote, and they've wandered off, he said, to follow in the footsteps of Balaam, who loved the wages of wickedness. But the apostle Peter stated that Balaam was rebuked for his transgression by a donkey, which spoke with a man's voice to restrain the prophet's madness. By the way, this episode is not the only time when God used a donkey to demonstrate his power. In the book of Judges, the strong man Samson struck down a thousand Philistines, not with a sophisticated weapon like a sword, but with a fresh jawbone of a donkey. The apostle Peter observed that false teachers deliberately appeal to sensual passions of the flesh, and they promise great freedom, while they themselves are slaves to depravity. In 2 Peter 2.14, the apostle wrote very descriptively that deceptive false prophets have eyes full of adultery, and they continually sin by enticing unstable souls. He said their hearts are exercised in craving and covetousness, and they become children of the curse. That's the Hebrew way of saying that the curse found its way deep into their nature. A second reference to Balaam in the New Testament is in Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote in Jude 1.11 about the error of Balaam. His error was compromise of truth for the sake of sheer greed. Watch out always for the spirit of error. We must all be grounded in the word of God so that we're not confused and destroyed by heresies emanating from the occult. 
Balaam was a prophet with a pagan background, and so he had many influences from sorcery and soothsaying. We must reject all the occult activity as abominations, because that's how God views the occult as abominations. Now, the third reference to Balaam in the New Testament is found in Revelation 2:14, where the Lord observed that the doctrine of Balaam had infiltrated the church. Balaam's doctrine persuades God's people to compromise morality, even to commit fornication with their idol-worshiping enemies. It's amazing how many pastors today just wink at fornication and sin like that. And unfortunately, the doctrine of Balaam has infiltrated the churches with all sorts of sexual sins. All manner of sins are rarely rebuked and rarely corrected in the churches today. To me, it's striking how the three New Testament references to Balaam correspond with 1 John 2.16, where the Apostle John wrote, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Well, everything we've been discussing today teaches us that our times demand the strongest faith and discernment possible. Inflation, the instability of currencies, terrorism, the specter of plagues, freak weather, false prophets in the church. Sin is rampant, but God also informs us that he judges nations due to the attitudes and actions against Israel. You see, Genesis 12.3 is still in effect. In that verse, God says, I will bless those who bless Israel and curse him that curses you, Israel. Balaam's prophecy in Numbers 24.9, blessed is everyone who blesses you, Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you, is simply a repeat of Genesis 12.3. Therefore, to have strong faith and discernment in these prophetic days, I want to offer some more pointers. First of all, it's imperative to read and follow this word daily, preferably reading first thing in the morning and not just a little verse or two or a quick little devotional. But we are admonished to study this word, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly handling this word of truth. Concerning prayer and fasting, we must pray regularly to keep our spirits and discernment sharp. We may pray regularly, but become spiritually dull, however. That's why fasting added to our prayers helps to sharpen us spiritually and fine-tune our discernment. Always pause to seek the Lord for healing and divine health before automatically resorting to the world's remedies. Another thing, renounce all works of darkness and love the precepts of the Lord. Hate every false way. Maintain and enjoy a secret prayer altar or a prayer closet. And also we must refuse to fall apart at bad news, but learn to lean entirely upon the Lord and His wisdom. So let's settle it in our heart now, not to collapse at devastating news, because we know that God is on His throne. Nothing can happen without His knowledge and consent. And we must refuse the spirit of weariness. That's just part and parcel of the last days. We must be an intercessor. Jeremiah 5.1 reports that God called for a search throughout Jerusalem to find an intercessor who spoke truth and who was just so that God could pardon the city. 
He was also prepared to spare the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if ten righteous persons could be found. And ten became the number of a Jewish prayer quorum called a minion. Also in Ezekiel 22, God said he sought for a man to build up the wall and to stand in the gap before him for the land that he should not destroy it. Today, more than ever, God is still looking for a strong man, a strong woman of faith. Am I going to be that person? Are you the intercessor God is searching for? May it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. And from time to time, I like to give some of my life tips. And so here are a few nuggets that I've learned. Seek the Lord first. Don't make any plans without seeking him first. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. And always strive to be the bigger person. Be the first to humble yourself. Also, relax because an undeserved curse is harmless and will fly right over you. And the lesson of Balaam certainly teaches us that. Another tip, make the Lord your primary physician and practice always giving honor to your mentors and loved ones. Try to wait for God's vindication because his vindication, believe me, is perfect. Here's another tip, enroll in God's insurance policy. Bless the Jews and you will be blessed. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you want to live under an open heaven, learn to forgive and forgive often. Forgive every day. And finally, let's pay our tithes and offerings or you know what will happen? Satan will exact that amount from us anyway through accidents, unnecessary bills, all sorts of assorted calamities. The money will be drained away. Well, my friends, I believe the Lord is calling his church to a higher level of accountability. Let's humble ourselves to stand in the gap. How easily the door to deception can open. And if Balaam, despite hearing from God, acted the way he did, that is a big warning to us. As the old hymn goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Amen. Well, I hope you see the need to become actively involved in praying for the peace of Jerusalem. You can contact me for our free newsletter and weekly updates through our website, exploits.tv, where you can also watch our free video library. Our ministry is called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring that the people who know God will be strong and accomplish exploits. Let's connect also on social media. And don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app to watch our videos on your phones or tablets. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm Christine Darick. Shalom. <music>